The following sermon is brought to you by thepreachersvault.com, bringing old-time preaching to a new generation. I appreciate so very much the opportunity to be with you. It's good to see such a good crowd out on a Friday night. Outstanding. We're glad to have you with us and hope that as we begin this lectureship that it'll be of much benefit to you. I know that's what the leadership of this congregation was planning. I looked over your theme and you, the flyer. It looks like you're going to have some really good speakers and some really good topics that they're going to be speaking on. You're going to have a lot better speakers than tonight. I should have put me somewhere in the middle, and uh, that way everybody will be encouraged to be back. But I hope that you'll still be able to get something out of having been here tonight. I hope that it'll be a benefit to you. An interesting subject that was given to me, the entire lectureship is based on keeping your eyes on Jesus. Keeping your eyes on Jesus at particular times. And the subject that was assigned me tonight is keeping our eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storms of life. The storms in life are going to come up. And every one of us is going to face them. We're all going to face storms at different times. And not all of those storms are going to be terrible storms. Some of them are just going to be your standard, regular storms. So I'm not here tonight to talk to you about the killer tornadoes or the hurricanes. I'm not here tonight, and I, I don't intend in this lesson in any way to discuss those big killer storms that come in and just devastate everything. The, I think that will be actually discussed later in the lectureship. As I was looking at the subject, I noticed one of them is keeping our eyes on Jesus when my heart is crushed. The times when your heart's going to be crushed is after those big killer storms, when those massive events happen. And many of us have faced those massive events, those big storms. But I want to talk to you about the... Everyday storms. The storms that you may face tomorrow. The same storms that you'll face next week. Jesus knew that they would come. Jesus knew that we would face those storms. You look at what Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 7. What we often talk about, the wise men. We sing that song in Vacation Bible School. The wise men built his house upon the rock. And then what happened? The rains came down. The floods came up. If you read the actual passage there in Matthew chapter 7, about verse 27 is where he says, And the rains came, and the floods came, and the winds came, and beat against the house. It wasn't just the fact that there was a little rain, it was the fact that this was a storm. And Jesus knew that we had to have that strong foundation. So he talked to us. The Bible has a lot of interesting storm stories. Very interesting storm stories. As a matter of fact, I think probably the theme for this lectureship is taken from an event in the midst of a storm. When Luke, I mean when Peter, in Matthew chapter 14, verse 24, they had fed the thousands and Jesus put his disciples on a boat, put the apostles on boats to go up to the other side. And the Bible says that the waves were crashing against the boat and the wind was against them. So they're out there. It's not a big storm, but it's one that the, the, the boat's rocking a little bit. And then here comes Jesus walking on the water. They're terrified. They cry out. He says, don't be afraid, it's just me. Peter said, if it is you, bid me come to you. You know the story. Peter steps out of the boat, walks on the water, but then the Bible tells us, but when he took his eyes off Jesus, I think that's where your theme for the whole lectureship is from, and looked at the waves, he began to sink. Jesus raised him up, got him back in the boat. The Bible says, and immediately everything went calm. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? 
I thought about saying that that's your lesson. That's all you need to know. Whenever the storms of life come, have more faith. Right? I mean, there's a storm story, a great biblical example, and that'd be, it'd be a good point. It'd be a good way to, to say this is a really good point about when the storms of life come, have a stronger faith. But we struggle with that. Even us Christians struggle with having a stronger faith. Oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? Be easy to say, there's your lesson. When you get scared by the storm of life, have more faith. Lesson over. Thank y'all. Have a good night. Let's take a 10-minute break. Come back. We'll finish up. But I can't do that. Or I could use a different storm story. I could go in the Bible to Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. They get out in a boat. This time Jesus is in the boat with them. He's asleep on a cushion in the back. And what happens? A storm comes up. A storm raises. And what do they start to do? They get terrified. They're scared. Some of these guys that are with them are seasoned fishermen too. So this might have been a little bit of a bigger storm. The, the waves are coming into the boat. They're terrified. And they have <laughs> Jesus in the boat with them. So they wake him up and say, Carest thou not that we perish? What did Jesus say to him? Oh, ye of little faith. Boom, there's your lesson. I got two points. Jesus said the same thing, both in the middle of a storm. When the storms come, have stronger faith. If I were to shut the lesson down right now, everybody would leave here going, well, it's a good point. It's straight out of the mouth of Jesus, but how do we put that into practical application? Or, or instead of going to a storm story, I can say, let's go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1 starts off and says, when trials come, count it all joy when you face these types of trials. There's your storms in life, these trials that every one of us face. And here you have a man through inspiration saying, when those trials come, count it joy. Be happy about it. There's your two points for your lesson tonight. When storms come, when trials happen, have more faith and be happy. Everybody would leave here going, ever invite him again, we are not coming. Because he's given us some biblical points with absolutely no application. And if you're sitting there right now saying, well, I don't know what to do when the trials come. Well, the book of James tells you right there. You keep on reading down. It says, when trials come, count it all joy. And then immediately transitions into that if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. He'll give to all without reproach. If you don't know how to handle the storms of life, ask God for wisdom on at least how to see the positives in it. At least how to find that joy. That's a great point. I wish I exactly came over that all by myself, but it's right there in the book of James. And that would be a great way to say, here's your lesson. Have more faith. Ask God for wisdom. But... If those were the only two points of the lesson, and I shut the lesson down, you would leave here and you would do what I do, I think, and you would do what the apostles did in the midst of the storm. You would face a storm tomorrow or you would face a storm next week and you would struggle. You'd get scared. Our faith would waver. We'd be really hard-pressed to find the joy in it, find the positives in it. The apostles struggled with that. 
So then I said, well, that's not where I want to go with the lesson. I don't want to talk about those storms. I said, what I want to do is I want to talk about the common storms we all face. The common storms we all face from time to time. Not the killer monsoon, not the terrible hurricane, not the tornado. Let's just talk about the regular old storms that everyone said. I thought, well, here's where I'll go with the lesson. I'll actually talk about some of the regular storms we face, and I'll kind of gear the lesson around some of these specific common storms that every one of us face, the common trials that every one of us face. But I don't want to spend all my time just talking about the variety of storms and how to individually navigate those. But I do want to spend just a moment talking about what are some common storms that we do all face? What are some common things that we do face on a regular basis? What are these storms, these regular everyday storms that come in as the Bible has already said about the boat in the middle of the sea and Jesus talked about the house built upon the rock that come and they just pound on us. They, they keep coming. And you, as soon as you pass one, you lift your eyes to the horizon and you look and you see it. There's gray clouds and you say, well, there's another storm coming. Every day, every week, every year, every one of us We'll face some of these storms. You may not face all of them. If you've been blessed to not face some of them, good for you. But I think we health crises. We face health crises. Some things happen where our health is not what it needs to be. You go to the doctor, and the doctor tells you you're fat and you don't blood pressure medicine. That's what he tells me. Uh, the, the doctor would have me weigh like 160 pounds. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's way off. I would look sick if I, if I weigh that much. But it is terrifying when he comes in and says, hey, we found something. There's an issue. You ever face a health crisis? Now, I'm not talking about one that, that, that is life in you. Just the regular. Or, or what about when, when your body starts to give out? I did some remodeling work in my house last week. I took part of my laundry room, turned it into a little mini home office. Put up chair rail and wainscoting and, and trim mold and painted all that and put in flooring and thought I was going to die the next day. <laughs> Took me about three days, and about that third day, I had to get down on my knees, and my body just couldn't handle it. And as our good brother prayed right now, we're in the third year of a pandemic. And even if you haven't been faced with COVID yourself or had it, I've had it twice, I think probably four times, if you just want to be honest. Because I don't, I'm, that's just how I, I've lost my taste twice. But we face these things, that's, that's a storm of life, and that's something we're going to continue. It, it's affecting our lives, it's affecting our churches, it's affecting our homes, it's affecting our schools. So we face that storm. We face workplace issues. You ever had to deal with a boss that's a jerk? Or co-workers who are not nice? Well, you ever had a deadline? Most of us have. There's a storm that you may face that this week. Hey, you're making your sales numbers? And you're not? That's a storm. Family issues. You notice I didn't say crisis. I said family issues. Because it's not always just this major bad crisis. Although there are marital problems, there are problems people face with their children, there are problems, problems people face with their parents. I've listed three storms that everybody faces that I just think, just tossed out there. It's common storms I think all of us might face at one time or another. Of the three, I'm in the middle of two storms right now. My 88-year-old father fell in the yard last week and laid in the yard for three hours before somebody found him, neighbor found him, got him in the house. I drove over to Louisiana to pick him up. He's at my house now. We'll be there until he gets strong enough to go home. 
because he's having health problems. He's my family, health problems. I'm in the middle of those two storms right now. Uh, the drive down here for an hour is the first time I've been alone or had time to kind of clear my head in 12 days because I'm with him constantly. So it's a storm. I'm not asking for your pity. I'm not telling you to tell me how to navigate it. I'm just telling you, I'm facing the storm right now with, with those issues. You may be facing some very similar issues. You may be facing those job issues. You may be facing friendship issues. Sometimes the people we call our friends get crossways with us. We end up fighting with them. Your friends may be people you're sitting across the pew from right now. You may be facing friendship issues, fights, fusses, or as my 16-year-old son refers to it, drama. He can't stand drama. Went out with a girl from a little school about 15 miles. He's looking for a girlfriend because he doesn't have one. He had had one for a little over a year, and that went the way that relationships sometimes do. And so he's looking for a new girlfriend, I think. But he says I'm not, but he is, because he's a 16-year-old boy, so he's looking for a girlfriend. And he went out with a girl the other night, and, and I met her. Nice, sweet, cute little girl. The next day, after he'd taken her on a date, I said, how's, how's uh, called her name? He said, oh, we're not talking about I said, what? And he said, yeah, she's drama. Drama. He said, I just want a nice girl that I can hang out with that ain't going to call drama. I said, you're not going to find one. <laughs> Maybe we'll. We all face those type of issues, friendship, relationship issues. We face financial issues. That's the one that most commonly people, when they come to me, say, hey, I'm stressed out. I'm really worried about finances, money. It's the main issue why people get divorced. Uh, what about feelings of emptiness? That's a storm where you want to follow this. It's a quiet, slow, self-attacking storm. But that feeling of emptiness, now you may be saying, well, who feels empty? People who are unfulfilled in their jobs. People who, at age 60, kind of go, where, where am I? Why am I here? What, where's my life? People who lose a spouse and now they've been alone for a few years. Or people who've never had a spouse and they've been alone. That they, People feel empty. And I think that's a real problem that people face. Or what if it's a spiritual crisis? That's a storm that we face. Temptation comes hammering on the door and just won't let up. And it keeps attacking and it keeps attacking. Or here we are in the midst of all of this pandemic, whatever you want to call it. And you know what I think churches are facing? We are facing memberships who have lost their zeal. Amen. We've been pushed away from church and told, oh, you can't come. And now we've opened the doors back up. And things are finally getting back to normal. And I hate to use terminology like this, but every church I talk to, the fringe members have lost their zeal. And they're not getting it back. And even some of the core members have lost their zeal. And people are, in the midst of the storm, they're having that faith struggle. They're doing just like the apostle. When Jesus said, oh, ye of little, we need a stronger faith. And us core group people need to get those fringe members back. We need to be encouraging. We need to be calling. We need to be contacting. We need to be shaking hands and hugging and telling people we miss them and we need them and that every part of the body is important. That's, a, that's the storm that your preacher faces right now. Yeah. Cliff, I'm not trying to call you out. Jim, I'm not trying to call you all out. I know we got some other preachers sitting in the audience. I'm not trying to call you all out. But if you're going to sit out there right now and tell me that this whole 
COVID situation in your congregation has not put you in the midst of a storm, you're not being honest. Because I'm in the middle of that storm too. Congregation of 200 people that for three, three years have, the biggest we've had is 164. And I understand. I get, I get you have to be really clear. Are you recording this or live streaming it? Okay. We, the storm we preachers have to, to walk the line on is how can you drop the hammer on let's get back faithful and not offend the people who legitimately are staying home to watch the live stream. Right. And I get it. I get there, there are people who have real concerns. Next storm we all face, fill in the blank. There's something I haven't thought of or haven't said that you're facing that I have no clue of. Right now, somebody's sitting in the audience going, oh, he's fixing to mention such and such, because that's what I've been bound, and that's what I've been facing. That's my story. I don't know, and I don't want to take the time. I'm not even telling my lesson yet. I could go on and on about the everyday storms of life, but they're too many to number and name, and they're too sporadic in when they come and too random in when they hit. But they will come. The storms of life are coming. So, let's get to what I know. Let's get to what I do. I'm not going to say I'm good at it because I'm not. But I like practicality. I like something that's practical. And every time I preach a lesson, every time I teach a lesson, I want, if I'm dealing with how to face the storms of life, I want an everyday solution for an everyday storm. So, Let's close the lesson. I I might make it through this. Let's close the lesson by looking at another storm story in the Bible. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 27. I want to close with the storm that Paul faced in the boat, the ship, as they were going to Rome. And I want to, I'm going to be quick about this. My, there's some of my members say, you talk too fast. We can't keep up. Don't try to keep up if you're taking notes. Just write Acts 27, starting verse 13 through the end of the chapter. I want to read it quick. And then what I want to do is I want to go back and I want to look at what they did in the middle of this storm that we could do in facing our storm. I want to take a real-life storm and what they did and ask ourselves, is there anything in that storm that they did that we can now turn and make spiritual application in facing the everyday storms we face? Here's the story. Acts chapter 27, beginning in verse 13 says, Now I'm going to go fast, like I said, so you can read along or follow along. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had attained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Greek close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the northeaster struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Running under the lee of a small island called Cotter, we managed with difficulty to secure, to secure the ship's boat. I want you to remember that. What does it mean they managed to secure the ship's boat? And this is a big ship with a lot of people on it. It had a little boat attached to the side that they would anchor up out and they would use the little boat to get to shore. So they snug that up close to the boat. And this is what it says. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing that they would run aground on the surface, they lowered the gear, and thus they were driven along. And since they were violently storm-tossed, they began the next day to jettison the cargo. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small tempest lay upon us because it was a big tempest, all hope of our being saved at last was abandoned. 
And since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury of loss. I'm not going to make a point about that later in the lesson. But that took guts to stand up and say, Y'all told y'all so. But he did. Verse 22 says, Yet now I urge you to take part, for there will be no loss of life among you, but of the ship. I don't know if that was supposed to make them feel better. It wouldn't have made me feel better. If the guy who stood up and said, I told you so, said, Hey, everybody's going to be okay, but we're sinking. But this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And he said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar. And behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. So take heart, men. For I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I told you. But we must run aground on some island. And when the fourteenth night had come, and we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea about midnight, the sailors suspected that we were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found twenty fathoms. A little further on, they took a sounding again and found fifteen fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern, from the back of the boat, and prayed for day to come. I don't know about you, but if I was out on a ship in the middle of a storm at night, I'd be ready for daylight too. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat, that's the boat they snugged up earlier, they lowered it down, but it's at the front of the boat. They had lowered it down, they had lowered the ship's boat into the, under the pretense of laying anchors out from the bow. They basically said, hey, uh, we're going to go let the anchors down up front. And all the sailors get there, they're letting the little boat down. Why? They're going to hop in the little boat and row for land. But, listen to what happens. Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay in the ship, you can't be saved. And basically he says, everybody's got to stay here. And the soldiers cut away the ropes of the ship's boat and let it go. And as day was about to dawn, Paul urged them to take some food, saying, Today's the 14th day that you've continued in suspense without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to you perish from the head of any of you. And when he had said these things, he took bread, giving thanks to God. In the presence of all, he broke it and began to eat. And they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons on the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on which they planned it possible to row the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors, left them in the sea. At the same time, loosening the ropes, tied the rudders, and hoisting the foresails of the wind, they made for the beach. But striking the reef, they ran the vessel aground. The boat stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion wished to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim, jump overboard, and make for land, and the rest on planks and pieces of the ship. And so it was that they were all brought safely to land. There they are in the midst of this storm, this fantastic story. But what did they do in this storm that could help us? First point that I want to make in closing out the lesson is... The point that I made at the beginning. If you're in the middle of a storm like you need to have stronger faith and you need to ask God for help to see the positives in it. I said those were good points in the sermon so I couldn't go on without saying, okay, let's go back to where we started. Oh, you have little faith. If you're in the middle of that everyday storm, try your best to strengthen your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's, that's where you know you can get faith. And ask God for wisdom to see the lining, the silver lining. 
Now, keeping our eyes on Jesus, try to have a stronger faith and ask for wisdom. Point number two, what did they do? You look down to verse 18. It says that as soon as they got in the midst of the storm, they jettisoned the cargo. If you're in the middle of a storm of life, you need to let go of any baggage that's going to hinder you from making progress. And we all have baggage. Don't sit there and say, yeah, that's what my wife needs to do. Okay? We all have baggage. Any baggage you have that can hinder you from making progress and doing what's right, you need to let it go. Anything that will keep you from doing it. If you're in the midst of a spiritual battle and some temptation, you need to do what Hebrews 12 one says. Therefore, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside the weight and sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that's set before. If you've got sin in your life, you need to let go of that baggage. If you come into a relationship and you've got past issues, you need to leave that baggage out of that relationship because it's going to cause marital storms. <coughs> Even if it looks important. Even if you think, look at verse 19. Verse 18 says, they jettisoned the cargo. Verse 19 said, and on the next day, with our very own hands, we threw out the ship's tackle. All the ropes and the important stuff, the stuff that's important to run a boat, right? What'd they do? Get rid of it. You think, well, that's important. Well, obviously, must not have been important. Or the sailor would have said, no, we can't throw that out. Is there anything in your life that you think is important and you're hanging on to? But you know that it's stopping you from making spiritual progress or relationship progress or, or making headway in your life towards being the person you know you need to be. And there you are in the middle of a storm. You're saying, well, I can't let go of this. If it's going to stop you from being saved, if it's going to stop you from making progress in a relationship, get rid of it. Throw it overboard. Young people, I'll go ahead and tell you right now. You get into a relationship. I've got a 16 year old boy, so I'm, I'm a relationship. Guru, man, I know it all. <laughs> Talking to him all the time, and I'm giving him this good advice. And he, he, another little girl they went out with not too long ago came in and said, She was talking about her ex boyfriend. I said, You cut her loose. Why? He's like, Because she's bringing the baggage. Let the baggage go. <laughs> he did. But it wasn't because I said so. It's always because of his decision. Verse 20. After many days, after many days, some storms don't just last an hour. Some storms don't just last a day. Even though I said this is not those big killer storms, this is not the hurricane, this is not the tornado that hit Tuscaloosa a few years back, this is just everyday storm of life. Health crisis. I told you I'm in the middle of these storms right now with my father. He's with me for 14 days until he gets stronger and can go home. He's 88 years old. He drives every Sunday 20 miles from where he lives to preach and teach Bible class. He fell in the yard, walked around for three hours, couldn't hardly stand up for three days. His brother picked him up Sunday. Last Sunday, he taught Bible class and preached, sitting in a chair. Big black guy, cuts all down the side of his face. Still preaching. He's home with me so that he can get stronger, so he can go home and preach and live alone. It's a storm. It's not going to be over for me for 14 days. And 14 days from now, when I take him home and I drop him off in Louisiana and I get in my car and I drive seven hours home, it'll be a different type of storm. It'll be an emotional storm of what if, what's going on. 
Well, let me put a rain camera in his house and watch him all the time and say that's weird. <laughs> and it is, I guess. I just want to know. Many days, it said they really, and they lost hope. All, we lost all hope of being saved. If you're in the middle of a storm and it's lasting longer than just a day, if it's lasting 14 days, if it's lasting how many days, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Look at the very next statement, the next point that I have written down here, verse 22. Paul stood up and said, Take heart. Now, I know what he said to them was not the most <laughs> heart giving statement. We're going to lose the boat, but everybody's going to be alive. But yet he stood up in the middle and said, take heart. If you're in the middle of the storm of life, take heart. Why? This storm will pass. The storm will pass. Or you will learn better how to navigate in the midst of the storm. You'll ask God for wisdom. He'll show you the positives, the silver lining, and you'll be able to say, okay, I can handle this. I can navigate this now, but don't lose hope. Take heart. Strive to be positive in the midst of the storm. And if you don't know how to be positive, that's where I direct you once again to James 1 ask God for wisdom. I, I directly believe that, that if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, is in context with what he had just been talking about. Trials. Count it all joy when you face these trials. Fifth point. How much time I got? Gonna make it. Verse 28 says that when the sailors recognized that they were nearing land, they took a sounding. I didn't recognize that back then they had this type of technology. Apparently they did. They could basically do like a sonar. They could tell how deep they were just by, by listening. So here's the next point. This is what they did in the midst of the storm. They listened. If you're in the midst of a storm, whether it be with your boss, whether it be with your spouse, whether it be with your kids, you know what you need to be doing? You need to be listening. Because if you listen, it'll help you. That's why we are being swift to hear, slow to speak. We need to open our ears and open our minds and open our hearts and be good listeners. Ready for help. Because if you listen, help might come. Verse 30 said the sailors tried to escape in the boat. Remember I told you they were up front and said, we're going to go drop an anchors up front. And they really were dropping the lower boat. You know what they were trying to do in the middle of the storm? They were trying to take a shortcut out. You ever done that? Some storm comes your way and you say, well... Uh, I can weasel my way out of this. I can figure out my own little plan. And, and they're not listening to God's plan. Instead, they're listening to their plan. Let me go ahead and tell you right now, in the midst of the storms of life, shortcuts don't always work. And sometimes, as a matter of fact, it might even be harmful. Verse 33, Paul stood up and said, after he told them to take heart, he said, hey, eat. In the midst of the storms of life that you're facing, take care of your health. Take care of your health. That's one of the things with my father. When all this happened, he did he loss of appetite. He doesn't want to drink. And I get him over there, and now I'm, I'm treating him. Here's my almost 90-year-old father, and I'm treating him like a three-year-old, sticking water, insure in front of him, all this stuff. And, hey, you got to eat this. you got to drink I don't care. Eat it. Drink it. It will help you. You ever been in the middle of a storm that so bad made you lose your appetite? Anybody here ever fought with their wife and not want to eat anything for a day or two? Don't raise your hand on that. My hand's not up. <laughs> You get in a relationship, your kids ever stress you out to the point where you don't have an appetite? Your parents ever stress you out? Your boss ever stress you out? You ever been in the middle of a storm and you lose your appetite? Take care of your health in the midst of the storm. 14 days, no food. Eat that food and give you strength. Bible says, verse 34 says, they took the food and gave them strength. Here's an interesting thing. Paul took the food and he prayed. Twice in the middle of this storm, we read of them praying. Once, remember it said they... They dropped anchors in the back and prayed for daylight. 
Here Paul takes the food and he prays. Not only does he say he prays, verse 35 says he prayed and he gave thanks. In the midst of the storm, keep praying and be thankful. Because you may be in the midst of a storm with your spouse, your work, with whatever it may be. There's still other parts of your life that are still clicking along, doing whatever. You have things to be thankful for. Your wife can be mad at you all day long and your kids still got to go to school and run track meets and do all the stuff they do. You still have a home. You still have utilities. You still have food on the plate. There are things to be thankful for. So in the midst of the storms, don't forget to be thankful. And then verse 35 Paul says Paul took food and he ate it. He said, let's all eat. Y'all haven't eaten in 14 days. And then what did Paul do? He took that food and he ate first. Once he ate, the Bible says it, once he ate, then everybody ate. In the middle of the storms of life that you are facing, set a good example for people watching you. If you're facing a financial problem, if you're facing a problem with your boss, if you're facing a problem with your spouse, if you're facing a problem with your health, your children, your grandchildren, your friends, your neighbors, your church brothers are watching you. And they will see how you navigate the storm. So navigate the storm well. I'm not saying you can't go to the preacher and say, hey, I need help. I can't say you can't call your best friend and say, hey, pray with me, brother, pray for me. But I am saying, especially our children, they need to see us navigate the storm well. We need to be setting the right example. After they ate, verse 38 says they threw the wheat out. That's burning the bridges right there. Hey, everybody throw the food. Why did they do that? They were doing their part. They lightened the load. They did what they could. In the midst of the storms of life, I think this is great spiritual practical advice. Do your part. I know that Jesus Take the Wheel is a popular song, but in the midst of the storm, once you let go of that wheel, you do your part. I just told you to pray and ask God for wisdom. You do your part. And last point is this. I can close this. I'm done. The ship stuck on the reef, and the waves came and beat against it, and the ship sank. The storms that you face may sink your ship. I'm not talking about loss of life or loss of love or some tragedy. It may just come in and seem like it destroy everything. And that's okay. Because if you're on God's side and doing what God said, you'll be okay on the beach when the sun comes up. So that's how you keep your eyes on Jesus in the midst of the storms of life. Thank y'all. I think we're going to take a little break for 10 minutes or so.